بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد uh, The first hadith, hadith number 16 um, is related by Imam Bukhari so uh, I'll, I'll relate this hadith through my chain up to Imam Bukhari rahimahullah and Abi Hurairah radiyallahu anhu anna rajulan qala ninnabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam awsini qala la taghdab la taghdab faraddada miraran qala la taghdab so essentially what's happening here is that Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu is transmitting this hadith to us saying that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a person said to him give me some counsel Counsel me, give me some advice. So the Prophet ﷺ, out of everything that he could have said, there are so many things you could say when somebody said, give me some advice. Now imagine it, I want you to put yourself into a particular scenario. Somebody tells you, give me some advice. What do you think you'd say? Among the thousands of things you could say, what would you say and why would you say it? Right? What would, you, what would, you, what would be the decisive factors or the deciding factors for you to say something. So I, when somebody asks me this question, like give me some advice, I generally ask them, can you tell me what you want advice about? Because I want to be as relevant as possible. That would be one way. If I know the person and I know something about them where they could improve, then maybe I'll give them advice based on, so if it's somebody I know, so a student, uh, a friend, a colleague, somebody that attends classes and they say, please give me some advice. And I've seen something about them. I th I'm, I'm thinking that maybe there's something that is needed that could be discussed and I will probably mention something very relevant. So based on this as well, I'm just trying to put myself into the Prophet's place. Somebody asks him a question, a general question, give me some advice. And he said, don't get angry. That was not a standard advice he gave everywhere. You don't see this being said that every time, hundreds of times, he's been asked for advice and he says, don't get angry, right? Or control your anger, in other words. So there must be some background to why he asked this question. Uh, sorry, why he answered it in this way. This particular narration is obviously transmitted from Imam Bukhari in this way. Imam Muslim doesn't narrate this particular hadith. Generally, you've got Bukhari Muslim that transmit a lot of similar narrations. However, this hadith is also related by Imam Ahmad, Imam Malik, Imam Tirmidhi and many others. In fact, in the Majma'uz Zawaid, there's another, uh, in other than Tirmidhi, there's another version of this. Kultu Ya Rasulallah. The person said, I said, O Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Dullani ala amalin yudkhilni al-jannah. Tell me about a deed that is going to enter me into paradise. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no, and, and then he said, T sorry, tell me about a deed that's going to get me into paradise. Wala tukthir alayya. Don't give me too much. Like, don't make it too long. Give me a very pertinent, concise, particular advice. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, la taghdab. Don't get angry. So that's another version of this narration which gives us a bit more information of how the question was asked. See, in hadith, as you probably learned already if you've been attending these classes, that you can never just take one hadith and run with that. To really understand the backdrop to something, 
it's always a good idea to go and research all the hadith on that same topic. So you have numerous narrations on the same topic. Sometimes you could have up to 20 narrations that give you various different bits of information. Because a certain narrator would have focused on one aspect. And that's what he has transmitted. When you look at it from another narrator's perspective, he gives another bit of information. And that's how you get a better picture. So that's what we are trying to do here. So now the significance of keeping a significance of speaking about don't get angry, right? Which is such an essential human trait. Nobody can be without anger. Anger is a human trait that is actually required. So when the Prophet said, don't get angry, his idea is that you need to control your anger. Don't express your anger, especially in the wrong places. But we also know that there are places where anger must be expressed. That's the place to express anger. The Prophet ﷺ himself expressed anger. So clearly you have to look at this. The Prophet ﷺ is not giving a universal statement that you must never get angry. But generally where people do get angry for the wrong reason, well you must not get angry. right? Because that's really where anger is, uh, anger is chaotic, anger is corruptive, and, and so on and so forth. So, in our, in our narration, if you look at it, he says, فَرَدَّدَ miraran. That's not in the other narration that I quoted, but in here it's فَرَدَّدَ miraran, which basically means the man repeated this request several times. So the first time he said, give me some advice, the Prophet said, don't get angry. So he said, give me some more advice. He said, don't get angry. He did this several times. That means, if he's asking for very pertinent concise advice and he asks it a few times and each time the Prophet said don't get angry you can now see the importance of controlling anger that is and the reason for this is that it's no surprise to be honest I mean if we take it in our own lives from a practical perspective anger is probably one of the most destructive factors that's why in Arabic that's a statement that غضب and anger is the fount is the collection, the vessel of all evil. And the opposite to that is uh, abstinence from it, to be able to control anger, is Jumma'ul Khair, is basically the fount and the source of all goodness. Anger is such an. Uh, the, the, uh, within human beings, there are three faculties, three feelings that essentially make up their character. Our character is, uh, is basically a compound of these three faculties. And one of them is anger, the other one is desire, and the third one is knowledge and understanding and how far we take that. So this is talking about one of the most essential faculties of a human being. So we need a bit of anger. Anger is a faculty within us that basically gets us to go and do something. Right? So, if, if somebody doesn't have any anger at all, or hardly is able to bring it up, then they won't fulfill the rights. They'll be getting abused, their religion will be abused, their family will be abused, and they'll just sit back and laugh and like, yeah, it's okay, you can do that, you can walk all over me. So, you need, you need the faculty of anger. But then, the problem with anger is that if you don't keep it in moderation, it goes beyond into the ifrat level, as they say in Arabic in excessive level, then that's what creates arrogance, it creates, ang uh, it creates uh, tyranny, violence, murder, 
in, swearing at people, insulting people, it just goes on and on. There are so many. That's why I said it's the fount of all evil because when you get angry, you're going to do all sorts of backbite people, lash out at people, strike people, not give them their rights, withhold their right because I'm angry. I don't want to give him what's due to him. Right? You can, you can just see how it's going to manifest. Might be a good idea for us to take a little bit of a personality check on ourselves. There are four types of anger. You've probably heard of it. Four types of, so, sorry, not four types of anger, but four types of people. Uh, so in Arabic, in Arabic, the way they represent that is that Sari'ul Ghadab, Sari'ul Zawal. Bati'ul Ghadab, Bati'ul Zawal, and then a mixture of the two. Sari'ul Ghadab, Bati'ul Zawal, and Bati'ul Ghadab, Sari'ul Zawal. So what that basically means is um, somebody who angers very quickly. But then somebody who calms down very quickly. That's the first category, right? Sari'ul Ghadab, Sari'ul Zawal. Second category, and this is not in any kind of order, it's just random order, but these are the four rational possibilities. Second one, Bati'ul Ghadab, Bati'ul Zawal. Somebody who gets angry very late, like he can take a lot before he actually gets angry, but then once they do get angry, then it takes a very, 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 very long time to calm down. Right? Then the third and fourth are basically a combination of the two. So somebody who gets angry very quickly and somebody who, cal- but who calms down very slowly. Somebody angers very quickly and frequently and calms down very, very, very slowly. And then the opposite of that is somebody who angers, hardly ever angers, seldom gets angry. And if he does get angry, also calms down very quickly. So now tell me, which is the best of these categories? Uh, the fourth one maybe? Would everybody agree there? Anybody difference of opinion? No? Which is the worst one? So mostly people are electing for number three, you're saying number three as well? Okay, nobody says anything else. Can you imagine it? The guy who gets angry so quickly, and then when he gets angry, takes a very long, long time to calm down. Is this person ever not going to be angry? Right, because the little things are going to get them angry and then they're just not going to calm down and something else is going to get them angry. So it's just going to be anger over anger. So now, do we know what category we're in? I mean, I used to be, I mean, I'll tell you, I used to be Sari'ul Ghadab Bati'ul Zawal. So it's not the best category. Anger's very fast, but calms down very fast. So was that the second category? That was the first one. I used to get angry quickly, but I don't, I don't stay angry for too long. So, alhamdulillah. But I don't get that angry anymore. After marriage, I've learned to control myself. Right, thanks to my wife. But I don't get that angry anymore. So I used to be Sayyul Ghadab Bati'u Now I'm kind of in between. Um, I, I don't get angry as much. So do you guys know what you are? You don't have to tell me. I'm just, I'm just, I just want to see realization on your face. Because, I mean, if we're reading this hadith, and if we know where we are, or where we need to get to, or where we were and we've gotten somewhere, alhamdulillah, that's practical implementation, inshaAllah. Okay, so let's just move on because we don't have too, too much time, to be honest. And uh, who is this person, by the way, that this incident took place with? So... Firstly, when you look at hadith and whenever there's an obscure personality that's not mentioned, it's generally because there's a bit of negativity. So the sahaba or the narrator has concealed their name. Because the problem is, the, the, the point is not to 
focus on someone but rather the message however many of the muhaddithin they will generally go into detail about who the person may be right because they know maybe from other narrations so here some of the muhaddithin like ibn rajab al hanbali saying that most likely this was abu darda this could have been abu darda radiyallahu an right one of the famous sahaba reason is that we've got a, another narration from tabarani imam tabarani has related it from abu darda radiyallahu he said ya rasulullah tell me about an action that will enter me into paradise give me an advice about something that's going to enter me into paradise and the prophet sallallahu said la taghdab walakal jannah don't get angry and for you is paradise so basically saying control your anger and you'll you've got paradise so wallahu alam allah knows best um, some say that it was jariya ibn qudama but most hadiths just say it's a rajul it's just a man it's just some man and that's probably the best is to leave it like that because the message is what's important for us uh, there's another hadith in which somebody asked the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam for advice and he said la taghdab and then the person said uh, said fafakkartu he then says that after the prophet sallallahu gave me that advice i contemplated it when the prophet sallallahu said that and then i realized that anger does incorporate every evil that is out there nearly so i can see why it's such pertinent advice now you know that the prophet sallallahu is known especially in these 14 uh, in these in this 40 collection for his concise direct very eloquent advices in a few words he means so many things so the fact that he said la taghda which is don't get angry actually means so much more than just don't get angry don't get angry in other words means that you need to because a person who gets angry can't have good character it's an too much anger not not being able to control your anger is the antithesis of being a person with good conduct one of the biggest reasons that marriages break down is because of excessive anger right it's just ego ego comes into with anger there's just so many things it relates to ego remember it's one of the three most important faculties by which a human character is 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 determined so the more the person is in control the better the character so the prophet said don't get angry meaning improve your character so that's a bigger message that we we're, we're seeing here that's what you have to read we're reading between the lines that's why um ja'far ibn muhammad said al-ghadabu miftahu kulli sharr anger is the key to every evil ibn al-mubarak rahimahullah was asked اجمل لنا حسن الخلق في كلمه define for us um, good character in a single word in a single expression define for us and he said tarkul ghadab abandoning anger that's basically in one in one sentence abandoning anger so now some of the preventions for anger okay we we've learned now anger is bad and i'm sure nobody's going to disagree with that that's something we've all been you know people struggle with it either too much anger too little anger not moderate enough controlling of anger as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wal kadhimin al ghayth in the quran those who control their anger right so now how do we what are the preventions from anger so let's look at it from a few different ways i'm going to tell you several hadith in which the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave some solutions gave some remedies 
But before that, let's look at the psychology of this. In America, and maybe in, the Engl in England as well, when a police, especially in America where they have guns, where the police carry guns as well. I remember once I was driving about, it was Ramadan time, and I was going to come back to England the day after. It was Tarawi. Uh, I'd finished my Tarawi, and then I'd gone out somewhere, and I was coming back late. It was about 2, two o'clock in the night. And I was, I was coming back, and I, th I was speeding. So police uh, flashed me from behind. I st stopped. Now in England, when, when the police stop you, do you get out of the car? You don't. You're supposed to get out of the car. They want you to get out of the car. They ask you to come out of the car, right? I haven't been stopped too much in England, so. But as far as I know. And that's what I, I had in mind. So what I did was, when he, in, in America, you're not supposed to get out of your car because that's dangerous. That basically means that you're showing aggression. So I'm dressed like this. In, 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 this is in Midwest. This is not even in California, New York, where they're exposed to this stuff. There's very few Muslims in that area. Two o'clock in the middle of the night, I, I stop the car and I get out. And I think the guy was sensible. He must have realized this guy is some foreigner, some weirdo, whatever. He said, get back in the car. So I got in the car. Now what they do is they don't come and stand in front of you. Right? So in America, you're, driving on the, you're sitting on the left-hand side. They won't stand in front of you and confront you. They stand behind you, outside the car, and they talk to you. So I'm sitting here, and he's standing there. So in England, he'd be standing here, for example. Why do they do that? So there's a lot of studies of why they do that. The reason is that if they're in front of you, that's a very confrontational posture. So by, by standing behind, they're putting what we, we can call white space in between. Right? So imagine a concept of white space. That is very important. If you know you're going to be confronting something that generally aggravates you, put, some, put a buffer zone in between, put some white space. And if you understand this concept of white space, you can actually see the Prophet apparently applying this idea. So for example, look, uh, look at these narrations, right? The Prophet said, Inni, uh, so, so he actually, there was a man who was arguing with another, and he was red in the face, and he started insulting the other, swearing, cursing at the other person. So the Prophet ﷺ just remarked on the side. He just made a remark on the side because sometimes going to a person who's angry is very difficult. So he just made a remark on the side. He said, I, I know of a formula. If he says it, he, he will be able to control uh, what he's experiencing. Meaning that will go away. The anger will go away. So... If he said, A'udhu Billahi min shaitanir rajim If he says, I seek refuge in Allah from shaitan the accursed. So, he obviously didn't seem to take notice. He didn't appear to take notice. So, the people who were sitting around, standing around, they asked him, didn't you hear what the Prophet ﷺ said? So, so, he turns around, typical, he said, Inni lastu bi majnoon. Yes, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not crazy. You, you can imagine he was very angry that he even made that kind of a statement at then. So in this one, the Prophet ﷺ is actually telling us that read a'udhu billah. So that's actually a spiritual response. That it's because of shaitan that you're getting the anger. Essentially, we, there's many things that will anger us. But once we get onto the anger bandwagon, the shaitan rides this wagon and just takes it further. That's the problem. 
So then we end up doing things that we regret. So there could be a cause for anger in the beginning if we're not controlled, but then it's shaitan who takes advantage of that situation. So read a'udhu billah. Now how does one read a'udhu billah if they're angry? You're going to have to train ourselves to do that. How do you train yourself to do that? Because in that heated moment, how are you going to remember that? Unless somebody tells you that all the time, you put a reminder somewhere that okay, every time I get angry, remind me to read a'udhu billah. So I think what it is that I found useful personally is that every time it's happened and we regret it, then think next time inshallah I'm going to say it and eventually inshallah we'll be able to say a'udhu billah when you get angry or control yourself, right? So we, every time it, it's gone beyond, then we actually think about it. So the next time we actually think about it earlier. It's just about hopefully training ourselves to do so. That's the first remedy. The second remedy that the Prophet once suggested is um, he said, Allah in al-ghadaba jamratun fi qalbi ibn Adam. Anger is an ember, a cinder, an ember in the heart of the human. Don't you see the redness of his eyes? Like, you know, don't you see his eyes uh, pumping like that and uh, his veins that they're bloated, right? And he said, This is another remedy. He says, anybody who feels that, so he's talking about heat now. He says, anybody who feels like that, he should earth himself. That's not what he said. He should, he should basically put himself uh, onto the ground. And we would, I mean, in other terms, he could call that earthing oneself so that the electricity dissipates. I mean, you need an earth wire, right? I know I'm maybe reading too much electronics in here now, but you, you know what I'm talking about. The, the reason is that there's several reasons for this. The earth is very, is, has humility, right? That's why shaitan used that idea against Adam alayhi salam. You're created from the earth, which is a lowly, inferior, uh, inferior uh, item. So if we get onto the earth, it just basically calms us down. Right? So get onto the ground, basically. I think, again, it's putting white space. Because there's another narration which says that when you get angry and you're standing up, then sit down. If that doesn't take care of it, then lie down. In fact, on one occasion, Abu Dharr radiallahu anhu, he got into an argument with somebody and then suddenly in the middle of that he lay down onto the ground it was in a field and it was soil it was it was wet i said what are you doing he said i'm doing what the prophet said. i got angry so i'm getting i'm earthing myself onto the ground but again it's not just earthing it's putting white space the reason is that if i'm standing up uh, with somebody and they get me angry i'm more likely to do something when i'm standing up because the posture is an aggressive, aggressive posture. If I'm sitting down, I'm more debilitated because when you're sitting down, you've got more restrictive movement. And if you're lying down, then you're just in a, you're supposed to be resting. So like you, you know, you're going to have to jump up for something. So it just puts more white space. In fact, what studies show is that if you want to criticize somebody, don't ever criticize somebody standing up. Like for example, you got an employee at work or somebody else and you want to tell him something. Or you, there's a guy in the masjid and you want to, you know. Uh, so don't just see him outside and say, you know, I want to speak to you. And then you start criticizing them. They'll they're in a very confrontational body posture. Body posture has an impact on our feelings and emotions. There's no doubt about that. So they're, more, they're less likely to be more accepting. What you should rather do is take them home. 
for some chai, right, for some tea. Relax them down. If you can lie them down, you got the nice cushions like we have in Saqib's house, you got nice cushions, right? You lie them down, you relax them, and then you criticize them. Maybe that's why shrinks do this. Maybe that's why psychologists make you lie down or something, right? Wallahu a'lam. But, I mean, subhanAllah, the Prophet Sallallahu is giving us all of these advices. And then, so, um, another thing is the Prophet Sallallahu said in a transmission of Imam Ahmad from Ibn Abbas, إِذَا غَضِبَ أَحَدُكُمْ فَلْيَسْكُتُ When one of you gets angry, he should remain silent. He said that three times. You should use that sparingly because for some people, if you stay quiet, they get more angry. They want an argument. Like if you stay quiet, they're going to get even more angry. But at least it'll stop you from getting angry. You might just have to be more patient. There's a husband and wife, and uh, basically the husband, was, he just becomes silent. And the wife is telling me I get much more angry because he stays silent. She, he, she just wants the argument over and done with. Because at least when somebody says something, you know what they're thinking. And when somebody's silent, it just makes it a greater enigma and then you get even more angry. Subhanallah. Anyway, so you can, we can use these various different things, right, in different situations. The virtues of controlling anger, especially when you think you're right. That's the difficult one. You know, if you're very, um, if you get irritated by discrepancies, if you get irritated by unfairness, some people just have a natural trait that they can't take unfairness and you get angry, maybe even for the right reason. Just because you get angry for the right reason doesn't mean that you have the right to get angry and you, can, you may have the right to get angry, but it's what the anger will make you do which is a problem. So you can get angry and you see, as I said in the beginning, the four categories, right? Similarly, you can look at people with any other problem as well. Who is, I mean, uh, you don't have to answer me, but how many of us are naturally more miserly than they are more generous? Like, they are more miserly than their brother or sister is. Allah creates us in different ways. You will see that two of your children, one will be more than the other, more generous than the other. You've got two aunties, one is more generous than the other. That's a natural trait. We're not going to be punished for a natural trait. But we will be punished if you exercise that natural trait and you do something wrong with it. So if somebody is miserly and that miserly leads them to withhold their zakat or sadaqah or spending when it's commonly decent to spend, that's going to be problematic. So likewise, if you've got anger, we need to learn to control it. You're not going to be, we're not sinful for having anger. That's a natural trait. Some of us get more angry. We didn't ask for that, right? I say, it come from my father. Well, where did it come from in your father? Right? You see what I'm saying? But we will be punished for expressing it in the wrong way. So it's controlling it which is necessary. That's what's important to understand. And the, we need virtues to be able to control our anger. One of the most effective things I found is that, you know, sometimes there's certain people that we generally get irritated by who make us angry. Like every time I go to speak to this person, and whether that's our father or mother or son or brother, a business partner, a neighbor, it's just some people just take us off. Now you know every time I go to speak to this person, I'm going to get angry. He's going to, she's going to make me angry. He's going to make me angry. What do you do then? And you have, sometimes it's family, so you have to speak to them. You can't just shun them. So then there's a wonderful dua. Allahumma inni 
A'udhu bika, and please repeat it after me, so at least we've read it once. Allahumma inni A'udhu bika Min al-shiqaqi Wal-nifaqi Wasu'il akhlaq MashaAllah, that works wonders. Oh Allah, I seek your refuge from disputation, quarreling and argumentation, shiqaq. Nifaq is hypocrisy. And su'il akhlaq, bad character. You read that and then you go. And because you've read it, you've already put some white space. You've already in control, inshaAllah. But there's a numerous, uh, the Prophet said, laysa shadidu surah. I mean, the, the powerful the 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 powerful person is not the one who basically just throws the other person to the ground wrestle the other person to the ground the powerful one the strong one is the one who's able to control themselves when they're angry because that is even greater uh, greater power than being able to just put somebody it's self-control because releasing oneself uh, where it's not due can get us into uh, a lot of trouble and then it says that whoever, uh, another hadith says that whoever controls their anger, where, when they were actually able to, to, to release their anger, right? One is that you can't say anything because it's some superior, you're in a situation where you're in a disadvantage because you can't really say anything, you're just all uh, getting angry inside. No, you were able to actually administrate your anger and to express it, but you still uh, controlled it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will invite this person, call him out positively over the heads of everybody on the Day of Judgment as a, a sign of goodness. So th there's a huge reward in that. And give him choices for whatever benefit he wants. And there's numerous other narrations as well. We, we mustn't miss the other side of the story, which is that in some cases to be angry is actually rewarding. When would it be rewarding to be angry? Because we're always talking so negatively about anger and now suddenly, you know, we're talking about being rewarded for being angry. Which, what kind of anger is that? Yes, when it's against injustice. Because remember, we're told to dislike injustice and we're told to even try something against injustice. So to get angry if Muslims, you know, uh, are being or people are being treated unfairly, whether that be Muslims or otherwise. I mean, in general, anyway, right? So, th those are the places where uh, anger is necessary. There's been cases where the Prophet was seen so angry. It says in the Shamaid, which you've probably read, that it was as if some uh, seeds from the pomegranate were burst on his cheek. That's how angry he got. But what's wonderful about the Prophet is that he only got angry for the Sharia. If he was personally abused, he had this amazing temperament. When he was personally abused, it just made him more forbearing and clement. It's just like he's so in control that somebody's abusing him and he's like relaxing more. Like, okay, I know you. That's the best way to deal with you. Just, just relax. But when it was for Sharia, then no. Once he came into the house and he saw in Aisha radiallahu anha's room, and he actually saw that there was a curtain on there with a picture of uh, maybe a bird or something like that. And he got very, very angry. And he said that people, the, the people who will get the most severest punishment on the Day of Judgment are people who basically put up this, uh, th this kind of picture up. So he, he did get angry. I don't think he didn't get angry at all. He definitely got angry. 
There's a story about these two individuals. One was very practicing, the other one wasn't very practicing. So one, that the one who was very practicing used to always advise the other one. On one occasion, he got really angry with him and he said, you know what, Allah's never going to forgive you. His anger, this was his anger that led him to say to the other person that Allah is never going to forgive you. Allah then got so angry that he actually punished this practicing person and he sent the other one to paradise. That's how detrimental anger can be sometimes for us. Uh, just one other point. When you get angry, you insult, you curse things. And subhanAllah, you know when couples or with children, we start cursing them. That is one of the worst things you can say because when you start cursing somebody, you're, like, you're literally like praying against them. On one occasion, there was a, a woman. She cursed her camel in anger. And they were with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey. So you know what he said to her? He said that, get off and let it go. We don't want anybody accursed with us. If you're cursing your camel, then that means the camel is accursed. It's damned. We don't want any damned animals with us because it brings curse to the rest of us. So if you're going to curse it, then get rid of it and you walk along with us. So if a person is cursing his wife all the time, She's cursing the husband all the time, cursing your children or your parents all the time. I mean, and these are the very people you want good with. I mean, that doesn't make any sense because you're praying against them. A curse is a prayer against someone which is brought on by anger. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to understand if we have this problem and be able to rectify our imbalance. Essentially, it's an imbalance. We just need to go into a fine tuning. Right, but it takes a long time to either increase in the right places, decrease in the wrong places, and we ask Allah that He help us.